Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we are going to be talking about everybody's washed favorite everybody's favorite washed up old Quidditch player turned Ministry of Magic official. Highly <laughs> <Really>? specific. It's <laughs> the only one I know of. <laughs> Mr. Ludo Bagman. Actually, maybe Harry is that. Harry is that as well, yeah. But, like, not in this series. Yeah. I'm sure there are some former washed up, some other former washed up Quidditch stars. Anyway, we're talking about Ludo. <laughs> yeah. Um, first off, we would like to apologize for the week off. Um, I honestly have no idea what happened. Some it just It just escaped the both of us. We both, I think, were just, like, kind of busy. Totally forgot about it. So, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> I feel really bad. It was the first time we'd ever missed an episode. Yeah. Sorry. But. <laughs> it's okay. Our lives just, like, really kind of... At least it, my life just kind of, like, got on top of me, at least. Like, I just completely... Yeah. We it also just escaped me. have had, like totally conflicting schedule <laughs> yeah so like keep yeah. your fingers crossed for the next month or so <laughs> yeah yeah we it should be fine we'll figure it out we'll figure it out <laughs> um our patron of the episode is Justine thank you Justine for your contributions yeah support. thank you Um, I don't think we have any announcements. No, I don't think so. Okay. All right, let's jump right in then. This also might be like a little bit of a shorter episode. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I don't really know. It'll be interesting. How much there is to say about Ludo. Yeah. Oh, I will make a plea. Another one of the reasons that I am contributing the week off to is that Audrey and I, I know we've been saying this for the past like year and a half, but we are really running out of episode ideas. So guys, if anybody has any, we are begging you, send them our way. If you have any that you want us to redo, like we'll redo episodes. I literally have nothing more to say about Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> um, come on, we at least have to make it to September. We have to do a, a Harry episode. Yeah, I guess we have to, we haven't done a Harry episode or a Snape episode, so like we can always whip those out. Yeah, eventually. I guess, but then the, but we're always like, oh, we need to do notes and record and edit in the next two days. What do yeah. we want to do this episode on? And it's like, okay, well, we can't do we Harry can't or do Snape, Snape or like Harry, that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we gotta do them justice. <laughs> so I don't know. If you, like, again, if you have just, like, any ideas, even if, like, if there's any chapters you want us to go through, well, like, I, we can do, a, like, a couple chapter episodes on the normal podcast as well. If you want to hear 
are, if you already want to hear some chapter episodes, become a patron like Jacine, and we do chapter episodes monthly for our five dollar up patrons. Yes. I, yeah, I have things to say in those. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just I run just, out like, of topics to talk about. I've definitely like I can. I mean, I could talk about. It's funny. So I had a Zoom interview with somebody, or like I just like a Zoom call with somebody the other day, and in the background I had like a Deathly Hollows thing on my bookshelf, and he was like, "Oh, is that a Deathly Hollows?" I was like, "It is. I'm a really big Harry Potter fan." He was like, "Oh my gosh!" And so we got talking about Harry Potter, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I like we don't have to talk about Harry Potter for this long." I was like, "Oh please, I could talk about Harry Potter for hours. I do." <laughs> yeah uh that's funny um so yeah please literally anything it could just be a list of unrelated questions and we'll just yeah. answer them all in one episode yeah if you want us to do like we did like a really fun kind of like ranking episode for our um like our patron episode yeah. one time that could be fun if there's any fun like draft type things you'd want us to do like a little bit more like um loosey-goosey episodes <laughs> i'd be fine with that too if you want us to like draft order of the phoenix members wait those actually and see like <laughs> which team we'd be better like which team would end and then you guys can like vote Sorry, I'm totally stealing this idea from this other podcast I listen to. They do drafts all the time of just, like, random stuff. Um, But, no, I feel like that could be kind of fun. I don't know, like, if a full episode could come out of that, but... Um, Yeah, wait, did this this other podcast do the Order of the Phoenix? No, 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 they don't do Harry Potter stuff. They draft, like, the last draft they did was just, like, spring things. Oh, okay. And then, like, they put up like each of their teams like for a poll and, and like people, people vote. vote which one's better oh that's cool so yeah basically if you just have anything that you are dying to hear us talk about please let us know thank you <laughs> yeah i second that <laughs> all right should we should we talk about ludo i guess <laughs> okay so fact file um, his name, his full name is Ludovic Bagman. Is that how you would say it? I feel like Lud- Ludovic. Ludvik. But there's an O. Yeah, but like you don't always pronounce every single letter in a word. I think that in the audiobooks, Jim Dale pronounces it Ludvik. Interesting. I don't know if I like that. I could be wrong. <laughs> okay, well, the name Ludvik or Ludovic or <laughs> whatever you want to say it um, was a Latinized version of the French royal name Louis or Louis. Um, it's from the Gaelic for devotee of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ludo is Latin for I play. Um, part of the verb ludere and it's also a Serbian word meaning crazy and then if you put like the accent thingy on the C which I feel like that would be Ludovic 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be definitely yeah. the Vich. That can be a Serbian last name, meaning son of crazy. Mm. <laughs> okay. And then in British slang, a bagman is a traveling salesman. And we know that Ludo was a secret gambler who threw away <laughs> his money. I guess that relates to a traveling salesman somehow. <laughs> And then in American criminal slang, a bagman mm-hmm. is a go-between who picks up or delivers money and usually bribes um, given by a crime family to the police. So it's like the, the middleman. And Ludo obviously was handling a lot of money, making his <laughs> bets. Um, and he tries to fix the outcome of the Triwizard Tournament. So, this could, like, reflect his, uh, like, that portion, but also, we'll talk a little bit about, like, how he was potentially, uh, or he was involved with the Death Eaters in the first Wizarding World, passing information um, to Augustus Rookwood. So, like, he's kind of, like, always playing both sides a little bit. Um, He's not doesn't have the clearest morals <laughs> yeah um so yeah i feel like his name is like kind of encapsulates that a little bit um i don't know i also think it just has like that like air of like a harry potter name that's like not a name like it you can tell it's a name but it's not a name that you would hear normally you know what yeah. i mean yeah 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 i think it's i think i like his name yeah i think it ludo is always like I know. Very, like, unique. Yeah, and I think... At least to, like, us Americans, again. (laughs) Like, maybe it's more common other places in the world. Yeah, and I think the Ludo, like, the meaning, like, the Latin meaning of just I play is maybe, like, the most accurate of that. Like, he's just very, like, playful, doesn't take anything seriously, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. (sighs) So the wiki lists his birthday as being before 1964, and the only thing that I can point to as, like, where that date came from is that, like, the Triwizard Tournament slash Quidditch World Cup was in, like, 1994, so I guess they're saying that, like, he's at least 30 at this point. I would say he's definitely older than 30. Yeah. Like, I would go 40s to mid-40s. I don't know if I'd go much, like, older. Yeah. Um... So, like, I would probably say maybe closer to, like, 1954, like, 1950-ish. Is it 1964 because was he on trial in 1981, which would be, like, 17 years, like, he had to be, like, up Yeah, like, I guess that could also be where it was from, Um, but, like, at that point, it's implied that, like, he's kind of at the end or yeah. done with his Quidditch yeah. career. So, like, that also doesn't make any sense if you do the math that way. Like, he would have probably been in, had to have been in the league for, like, at least... Well, we know that he won three championships. So, like, I'd say in the league at least, like, four to five years. Yeah, I would minimum say total. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would guess he... Because, like, he also played for, like, the English national team. So, like, I'd say he probably played professional Quidditch, like, seven-ish years minimum yeah so that would put him kind of like 17 plus 7 is 24 no 34 no 24 24 (laughs) that didn't seem like a big enough difference sorry um 
would put him at like 24-ish by the time he was on trial, if we're saying that was like towards the end or at the end of his Quidditch career. And that's definitely like on the generous side, I think, like going a little bit younger than I would think. Yeah. Because like Crumb um, plays Quidditch until he's like 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like, am I making this up or do they say that like his career was ended by an injury? Or did I make that up? Oh, uh, I think one time they maybe say something about like getting hit by bludgers yeah. too many times or something like that, but I don't mm. know. But yeah, anyways, I again, I would say he's probably closer to like mid 40s yeah. during the events of Goblet of Fire. Yeah, I would, yeah. So again, that would like put his birthday more towards like the 1950 yeah i would say he's like between 45 and 50 yeah like i would say like firmly like middle age approaching middle age yeah because they always say that like he acts younger than he is like that's to imply like he's a little bit older i think yes yeah so yeah anyways um and then we've kind of like hit on this i guess already but his occupations we know that he was a quidditch player um which katie will talk about more later but for the wimborne wasps and the english national team and then um it's unclear if he went directly to being head of department of magical games and sports but like that is the that is the position that he holds um when we know him and that's really all we have for the fact file because we don't know his wand, we don't know his Patronus, we don't know his Hogwarts house, we don't, we don't know, know his, his family. <laughs> like we really well, okay. Don't so know we do know him. like his father was most likely maybe worked for the ministry. Um, Wait, why do we know? That? So like, so I mean, I'll go into like a little bit more detail about this later, but so like. The reason he was, like, put on trial was for passing information to Augustus Rockwood, who he claims, like, he knew through his... Was, like, an old uh, friend of his father's. So, like, I would make the assumption that either, like, his family is, like, fairly, like, high up, well-known within, like, the... Because, like, I don't know, like, Rockwood was also, like, a member of the ministry at this point. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. That's just, a, like, an assumption that I would probably make is that his father also worked for the ministry. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. He also gives off, like, a legacy and, and like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knows people um, in high places. Yeah, very much so. Nothing, like, can touch me. Mm-hmm. So, his first mention happens in the chapter aptly named Bagman and Crouch in mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. If you want to hear us talk about this chapter in detail, become a patron, because this is one of the chapters that we've done a episode on before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he said, the man of the moment, Ludo. Ludo Bagman was easily the most noticeable person Harry had seen so far, even including old Archie in his flowered nightdress. He was wearing long quidditch robes and thick horizontal stripes of bright yellow and black, an enormous picture of a wasp was flashed across his chest. He had the look of a powerfully built man gone slightly to seed. The robes were stretched tightly across a large belly he surely did not have in the days he played quidditch for England. 
His nose was squashed, probably broken by a stray bludger, Harry thought, but his round blue eyes, short blonde hair, and rosy complexion made him look like a very overgrown schoolboy. <laughs> yeah, that, like, description really, like, affirms my perception of him as being, like, older than three. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know if I'd quite go 50, because, like, obviously you can dye your hair, but, like, his hair is still mentioned as being blonde in uh, this. That's true. And, like, he does lo- still look like an overgrown schoolboy, so he's probably still got, like, a boyish face, yeah. would be my guess. Like, maybe not so, like, wrinkled. Yeah, yeah. So, like, again, I think I'd go more, like, early 40s would be my guess for age. I think that's fair. Um, I also just think it's so strange that he's wearing his old Quidditch robes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's okay. not even like he's, like, you know, like, uh, people wear, like, jerseys to yeah. matches. But, like, he's wearing, it's essentially like he's wearing his old jersey that's, like, not even, like, it's a club team. It's not, yeah. like, an English I think if anything, jersey. he should wear his, like, English yeah. uniform. But, like, like I also that they're also not playing. playing. <laughs> But I feel like it'd fit better. Like, I don't know. At least it's, like, a country. Yeah. I mean, that's like wearing, like, a Chelsea jersey to, like, a World a World Cup game. Yeah. But I guess, but like, like what, Chelsea one of the players, players could have be, been. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, one of the players could be a one-born wasp player, I guess. Yeah, that's true. On the English national team. Yeah. If they do that. The but also, still, it's how they do national his jersey. Soccer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not I like... I mean, obviously, he just wants an excuse to wear his jersey again. That's obviously why. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know, man. They're not even cool looking. No. And the illustration of Ludo Bagman in the, um, in the illustrated version is, like, really funny. I don't even think they're really Quidditch robes that he's, like, pictured in. It's just kind of, like, a sweater and, like, a robe. Like, a long jacket. Well, I mean, there's all sorts of inconsistencies with depictions of robes and what they're actually supposed to look like and whether or not you're supposed to wear clothes on (laughs) (laughs) Whether or not you wear pants with your robes. Uh, Okay. Um, So, Ludo's personality type is ESFP the entertainer um and we've had this a few times with Lockhart the twins Slughorn and Bellatrix and I kind of feel like when I like you know saw that people had typed him as this and then I went back and like checked my previous you know who I'd given this type and stuff I was like that kind of like makes sense like those characters are all on a spectrum like obviously we love the twins and we like don't like a lot of those other characters but like Ludo and Lockhart and Slughorn and Bellatrix and the twins like it's all like kind of a spectrum of like the same like kind of person yeah it's kind of like so you know like alignment charts like for D&D where it's like lawful good oh yeah yeah you know I feel like it's kind of almost one of those things yeah it's like playful for the sake of being playful is like twins yeah. right and then we probably have ludo and then we probably have like slughorn lockhart yeah. there and then like on the other end we have like 
playful while being like legitimately insane and evil yeah as like bellatrix at like the very opposite end of like kind of this scale yeah and like the name is like the entertainer and like the twins are like the purest form of an entertainer with like they're on a joke shop and then like you know like all of these people like are on they're like the center of attention in their room you know like and they like are always kind of like regardless of in a good way or bad way you know they're like they're they're people oriented people even yeah. if like for bellatrix that means a different thing than it does for yeah. lockhart you know like yeah i just think they I it think makes I'm, sense yeah no i agree i also like thinking about that i really see some similarities between like um ludo and slughorn in a yes, lot of ways yeah. i think thinking about them because i've never really thought about them in conjunction with each other like they're never mentioned in the same yeah. book. They're, like, so completely, like, separate entities within the story. Um, but, like, thinking about it now, I can definitely see, like, a lot of similarities between, like, specifically those two characters as well. I also think Lockhart fits in there, too. Like, yeah. it's, like, um, it's kind they of, like, like to be important. Of, yeah, this group of men who, like, likes to be important, likes to have connections in high places, likes to have attention, but also, like their morals are not fully there and like they will you know do things to get attention and get fame and stuff or like to get money and ludo's saying yeah like to like bend the rules and like yeah they don't have a strong moral compass (laughs) yeah i definitely think that those three are like very similar in a lot of ways yeah so anyway um i just thought that was interesting because sometimes i like type two totally different people in the same thing and i'm like i can't justify this at all but i feel like these this just like kind of made sense um if anyone is found to be spontaneously breaking into song and dance it is the entertainer personality type they get caught up in the excitement of the moment and want everyone else to feel that way too no other personality type is as generous with their time and energy as entertainers when it comes to encouraging others, and no other personality type does it with such irresistible style. Ooh. <laughs> Which, I mean, maybe those, those roads are stylish. <laughs> um, maybe they do it for some people. But I think this hits on what we were just talking about, is, like, being the center of attention. And, like, I think that description is really what, like, Ludo puts out into the world and then like once you kind of break him down you see like the murkier things underneath but you know like him offering help to harry seems like oh maybe she's just encouraging him and wants him to do well and then we find out it's because he's like trying to fix the outcome of the tournament but um that's like kind of what he how he presents um entertainers love the spotlight and all the world is a stage many famous people with the entertainer personality types are indeed actors but they love putting on a show for their friends too chatting with a unique and earthy wit soaking up attention and making every outing feel a bit like a party utterly social entertainers enjoy the simplest things and there's no greater joy for them than just having fun with a good group of friends um, I feel like this, like, really encapsulates, like, the dynamic between, like, Crouch and Bagman, where, like, Bagman never takes anything that, seriously, he wants everything to feel like a party, you know, like, he is excited by the Triwizard Tournament and the Quadruple Cup, and he, like, wants to have a good time, and Crouch is, like, never wants to have a good time, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, yeah, like, literally the next paragraph from where I stopped reading um, for his first mention was, like, 
Um, he was walking as though he had springs attached to the balls of his feet and was plainly in the state of like a wild excitement. Yeah. I feel like that ties back into like kind of the first point you were making AMS one. He just like exudes this like boyish excited energy and like spreads that out to other people. Whereas like Crouch is like so serious. Crouch like, like drains right, get it together. Room, like. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and also, like I think the first like line you read from the first mention was like, "Oh, and the man of the moment," you know, like yeah, he knows that like the Quidditch World Cup hosting the Quidditch World Cup is like his moment, and he's like soaking yeah. it up. He's wearing his old Quidditch robe. <laughs> like he he wants the attention and he's like thriving off of it he really is also side note we can cut this out but so the page right before ludo bagman's mention is this poster of crumb and tell me that doesn't look like robert pattinson it does. like oh should robert pattinson have should played crumb instead of exactly. like so much like him yeah that's and like his hair weird. almost looks like that in the batman and like the new batman yeah. that he played. like literally that looks like robert pattinson that's funny Anyways. we should post that cedric <laughs> or crumb <laughs> um anyway uh Though it may not always seem like it, entertainers know that it's not all about them. They are observant and very sensitive to others' emotions. People with this personality type are often the first to help someone talk out a challenging problem, happily for providing emotional support and practical advice. However, if the problem is about them, entertainers are more likely to avoid a conflict altogether than to address it head-on. They usually love a little drama and passion, but not so much when they are the focus of the criticisms it can bring. Um, So I think this is interesting because, like, we could totally see him being, like, he's, like, that go-to person, you know, like, he, I think he tries to, like, present himself as a people person, um, but, like, the part about the, that it being their own problem, like, he just totally runs from it. Um, mm. like that's what he's doing all of four. He's like running away from the twins. He's running away from his debts. Like he's trying to run away from the goblins. Like it's, he's like, he loves the drama, but not when he's part of it. Like he lives to like feed off of like other people's drama, but he will, he doesn't do well when it involves him. <laughs> um, the biggest challenge entertainers face is that they're often so focused on immediate pleasures that they neglect the duties and responsibilities that make those luxuries possible. Complex analysis, repetitive tasks, and matching statistics to real consequences are not easy activities for entertainers. They'd rather rely on luck or opportunity or simply ask for help from their extensive circle of friends. It is important for entertainers to challenge themselves to keep track of long-term things like their retirement plans or sugar intake. There won't always be someone else around who can keep an eye on these things. And I feel like this is, like, this is, again, the dynamic with Crouch. Like, Crouch probably made all of the logistics work for these events. And, like, Bagman just, like, you know, like, was just like, oh, things are going to work out. Or, like, I'll ask, like, this person to help us, like... You can totally see him, like, being obsessed with, like, the, like, excitement and, like, the grandeur of the events and, like, wanting, like, the stadium to be really cool but not wanting to figure out how to build the stadium or, like, not caring about, like, organizing all the port keys and, like, 
keeping things under wraps from the muggles, but, like, being super excited about, you know, the exciting parts about the things and not the boring logistical stuff. So I actually think that, like, while they are total opposites and, like, uh, Crouch kind of hates Bagman, they're probably, like, (laughs) the perfect team to, like, put this together where it's, like, still a super fun event because, like, if Crouch planned it on his own, it wouldn't be fun but like, be like there was like a, there's like a noise limit. There's yeah. a curfew. <laughs> yeah, but like Bagman planted on his own. Like nothing would have like actually been logistically correct. Like no. <laughs> um, entertainers recognize value and quality, which on its own is a fine trait. In combination with their tendency to be poor planners, though, they can this can cause them to live beyond their means. And credit cards are especially dangerous more focused on leaping out opportunities than in planning out long-term goals entertainers may find that their inattentiveness has made some activities unaffordable i mean like just in general like one of his main traits we know about him is that he has a gambling problem and he's in a bunch (laughs) of debt so like i don't think a credit card would be a good thing for ludo bagman to have no (laughs) Uh, and also like kind of the idea of like he bet like everything on harry to try to like erase his previous debts and i feel like that's like like the way you get out of gambling debts is not to yeah continue to gamble (laughs) but he's like he sees this as an opportunity to like totally get off on everything so it's like he's like an all or nothing kind of guy um and i just think that's like really reflected here like he has no planning skills he has no financial awareness like (laughs) all of that um so entertainers are welcome wherever there's a need for laughter playfulness and a volunteer to try something new and fun and there's no greater joy for entertainer personalities than to bring everyone else along for the ride they can chat for hours sometimes about anything but the topic they meant to talk about and share their loved one's emotions through good times and bad if they can just remember to keep their ducks in a row they'll always be ready to dive into all the new and exciting things the world has to offer friends in tow i feel like that's just like i don't know kind of sums up what i've been talking about yeah uh for strengths we have bold original aesthetics and showmanship practical observant and excellent people skills um i don't know about practical or observant but yeah. the other ones all kind of fit with, like, his showy, loud, yeah. charismatic personality. Um, and then for weaknesses, we have sensitive, conflict-averse, easily bored, poor long-term planners, and unfocused. I think those fit. Definitely conflict-averse, because he's, like, literally tries to just run from his yeah. problems. Definitely, like, poor long-term planning and focus. <laughs> yeah. really bored. I can definitely see all of those. Yeah, which, like, is he, he's just kind of, like, immature is kind of what we're getting Yeah, at. basically. <laughs> he's basically, like, I know we talk about Harry as kind of also fitting this archetype, you know, being, like, the guy who, like, can't leave high school behind him. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of Ludo Bagman. But instead of, like, high school, it's, like, his Quidditch play days behind him. Yeah. So, speaking of his Quidditch playing days, I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, what we know about him during the first Wizarding War and his Quidditch career, which, spoiler alert, is not much. So, sometime after finishing Hogwarts, he started playing professional Quidditch for at least the Wimborne Wasps. I don't know if he, like, played for any other team. It doesn't really sound like it. 
Um, so I'd assume maybe only Lumenborn wasps, but we don't know for sure. Um, he was a beater. We do know that. And he's known to many as the best that ever played for the Wimborne Wasps. And he led them to three league championships, like I said before. And he also played for the English national team. Um, during the First World War, like I kind of said before, he was either like at the end of his Quidditch career, like towards the end, or it was already over at this point. And he was caught providing ministry information to known Death Eater Augustus Rockwood. And he claims that the reason he was giving him this information is that Rockwood would said that he would like help him get a job at the ministry after his Quidditch playing days were over um, in return for this information, which like I cannot wrap my head around that. That makes zero sense. Like, if Rockwood was already working at the ministry and Ludo was not, why was Ludo providing <laughs> Rockwood ministry information? I don't know. I don't it. It makes absolutely zero sense. And, like, the reason that, like, like I mentioned before, like, Ludo says that, like, Rockwood was an old friend of his father's and, like, that's why he trusted him. But it's, like, at this point was, like, Rockwood already a known Death Eater and, like, on the run and that's why, like, I, I'm very confused about the timing of all of Do this. Do you think it was, like... Because, <sighs> like, his trial was after Voldemort's downfall. So it's not, like... People are trying to get information out of other people so that they, they like, pretend that they're, like, they know what the other person is talking about until, like, the other person, like, says enough in the conversation. So, like, maybe Rookwood didn't have as much information as he, like, wanted to have from working Mm. at the ministry. And so he was just, like, kind of just, like, talking to Ludo and being, like, oh, yeah, like, being vague, like, oh, you know that thing. And then Ludo was just, like, Yeah, but, like, why would Ludo know that information, though, is the question. Because, like, he's... Like, from his dad? (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I just think, like, Ludo would be an easy mark to, like, call Yeah, like, and that's obviously, like, kind of what this implied to be is, like, that he was just kind of, like, too stupid to realize that, like, number one, Rockwood was a Death Eater, and, like, we don't even know what this information was, and again, we don't know if this is pre the fall of Voldemort or post the fall of Voldemort. Yeah. Like, we know that his trial took place afterwards, but we don't know whether this took place before or after, so I'm just, like, I'm very confused about the whole thing. Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think it's just supposed to, like, show us that he's dumb and doesn't, maybe doesn't have the clearest morals. Yeah. And also to be, like, another, like, oh, it's not even really, yeah, it's not even a fully played out red herring, but, like. Yeah. Well, because, like, I guess before this was when, like, Harry had had the conversation with Winky, and Winky was like, oh, Bagman's a very bad man. Yeah. Um, And I guess, like, this is why she's, like, led to believe this way. Like, this is why Crouch hates him. I mean, I think Crouch hates him for a multitude of reasons, (laughs) and this might just kind of be his excuse. But do you think Crouch actually believes that he was like a death eater intentionally passing information no i don't think so but i think crouch like already disliked him for again a multitude of reasons it was kind of like looking for an excuse yeah that makes sense um but yeah i'm like very confused about this as a whole and like this situation in general (laughs) 
Um, and we like just went through all the memories and like this yeah. was like one of them that we went through. Yeah. Like we talked about the court scene. I like always forget about this memory. um but yeah all of the charges were dropped like basically because like his popularity um like one of the witches was even what is the quote okay so i think part of the reason why this is so confusing too is that like this is just like his sentencing trial Mm -hmm. so there's like no evidence given during this um because like Barty Crouch even says like we've heard your the evidence against you and we're about to reach our verdict do you have anything you'd like to like add to your testimony um it says you were caught passing information to Lord Voldemort supporters for this I suggested term of imprisonment in Azkaban no less than and then like shouts happened um I thought I was collecting information for our side and Rockwood kept talking about getting me a job at the ministry later on once my quidditches are over. You know, I mean, I can't keep getting hit with bludgers for the rest of my life. So, so he was definitely currently playing Quidditch during this. Mm. So it sounds like he was actually out getting information. Whatever that information And may like be. passing it yeah. to Rockwood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, none at all. Old Rockwood was a friend of my dad's. Never crossed my mind. He was in with, you know, who I thought I was collecting information for our side. And Rockwood kept talking. Yeah. So it sounds like he, but like, yeah. It definitely sounds like he was gathering information for Rockwood. Mm-hmm. And then one of the women in the audience just goes, we'd like to just congratulate Mr. Bagman on his splendid performance for England in the Quidditch Max against Turkey last Sunday. <laughs> Or last, sorry, last Saturday. So yeah, he was cleared of all charges and Crouch was pissed about this and really like never let it go from what it sounds like. Um, But we do know that he was like never again affiliated with any Death Eaters. He was never again like accused of working like for the dark side and then like went on to get a job and work at the ministry. So I think that it's pretty clear that, like, he had, like, no nefarious intentions. It was just kind of, like, too trusting and stupid. hmm Yeah. Okay. Um, so, we just know that, like, sometime after that, he became head of department, head of the Department of Magical Games and Sports. Um, no idea if he, like, actually worked his way up into that position or just was like given that position because he was good at quidditch but i mean like i mean in the real world if you were if you like played a sport getting a job whether it be like in broadcasting or in the front office of that team or with like some league affiliated like basically like specifically for hockey because this was this is what i know the most about but like if you played hockey, you, you'd be like, you don't have to have a law degree, yeah. basically, to be an agent. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, everybody else who wants to be an agent has to have a law degree. Yeah. So. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All we know is by 1994, that is his job title. Um, and uh, so he 
organizes the two major events, the Quidditch World Cup and the Triwizard Tournament, alongside uh, Crouch for both of them. And so for the Quidditch World Cup, we know he was not very discreet or concerned about security. Um, We know he was not wearing muggle clothes, and he was just, like, talking loudly about Quidditch in front of the muggles around. He served as the commentator for the World Cup, which I always thought this was weird because there's, like, a commentator, like, in the stadium. And I'm pretty sure he's, like, doing a play-by-play, right? Like... A bag Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, normal, like, stadium PA, like, announcers where they're just, like, announce the goals or whatever. Like, he's, like... Yeah. He's, like, calling the game, but everyone in the stadium is listening to him calling the game, like, including mm, yeah. the players. Presumably, the players can also hear because he's just, like, yeah. amplifying his voice. Yeah. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah. It always kind of yeah, bothered like, me. Yeah, because, like, it's... Yeah, I guess because he's kind of, like, providing color commentary. Like, it's the same as... It's the same as the, like, Hogwarts Quidditch matches. Yeah, that's true. Maybe because, like, it's hard to see. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe JK... Maybe she just, like, did it under fan sports. <laughs> yeah, it also, like... like it <laughs> makes it easier to read, to have somebody yeah. commentating. So it's, like... Rather than some, like, omniscient. Yeah. Which, is like, I mean, Grin is, like, how most of the book is, but then, like, it, it makes it more, like, engaging. Yeah. We also know he was going around pre the World Cup final making bets um, with various people. And one thing I never understood about these bets is that, like, he collected the money. Like, they didn't just, like, write a note and be like, oh, Fred and George bet me this much. Mm. and then like cash in later like he took fred and george's money and then was supposed to like return it and like double or whatever if he lost so it doesn't make sense as a like if i was betting someone something i wouldn't like you get i would get a note i wouldn't like give them the money before the thing happened well it's like also weird that like he is like like also normally you like bet through something yeah yeah like you don't like bet directly with one person i mean like yeah there you definitely do that sometimes but like normally sports betting particular like in particular is more like through the like an organization Uh but he is like the (laughs) middleman and the organization you know it's like i don't know if i trust this situation yeah um, so Fred and George bet 37 galleons, 15 sickles, and three nuts, plus a joke wand, which was everything they had. Um, which I think he valued at 11 galleons. I could be wrong. What? That's more than a regular wand. I, like, I'm, I just listened to this. Hold on. Let me go okay, back. Check it. But, um, they bet that Ireland would win, but Crom would catch the snitch, which is obviously what happened. And also, like, a weird, like, it's a weird thing to bet, because, like, if any other iteration happens, you lose the bet. You don't, like, you know, like, Mm. usually, (laughs) it's just, like, you bet just that, like, Ireland wins, or that Bulgaria wins, and then, like, there's two options. But, like, them saying that, like, Ireland could win and Crumble couldn't catch the snitch, or, like, all of these different permutations could happen that weren't that one, and they would lose. Yeah. I was wrong. It's five galleons. He said... I would pay, all right, where is it? Excellent. I haven't seen one that convincing in years. I'd pay five galleons for that. So then the value of the bet is 42 galleons, 15 yeah. samples, and three nuts. 
Um, and we also find out later that, like, or friend George find out later that he owed money to Lee Jordan's father as well. Um, so after the and probably like whoever put up the stakes in her eel farm, whoever that was, like he probably owes money yeah, to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after the Quidditch World Cup, he pays everyone back in leprechaun gold because it's like raining leprechaun gold after Ireland wins. Um, and obviously he couldn't afford to pay people back. Um, he is like during the like debacle with the Death Eaters <laughs> attacking the campsite and everything. Um, he's just like in the woods. They like run by him in the woods, surrounded by goblins. Um, and they're like taking all the gold he has off of him, but it wasn't enough to pay like previous debts that he had. So it sounds like like he had debts before the World Cup, and he was probably trying to like make money back from the final to pay the goblins off but he didn't have enough um so like he's still in debt to them and they've taken everything he has and then the next time we see him again is at hogwarts for the triwizard tournament so we know that he like organized this as well and served as a judge for this alongside barty crouch senior for most of the year (laughs) some of the year um and all through this time, he continuously is being pursued by, like, the goblins, who he owes money to, and also Fred and George. Um, we see Fred and George, like, try to talk to him multiple times, and we also see, like, the goblins talking to him at the Three Broomsticks. Um, and so when Harry's name is drawn from the Goblet of Fire, he's super excited. Um, he, like, immediately, he's, I think he's the first one to announce that they, like, have four champions. He immediately, like, takes Harry aside to try to offer him some pointers for the horn tail. Or I guess not immediately, but before the first task. Um, and we, we find out that, like, he was betting on Harry so that he could make his money back. Um, and he, like, decided to bet on Harry because he thought that he would be able to, like, help him cheat. And I'm sure, like, the odds against Harry were a lot longer Mm, than the odds against anyone else so like he was like i can make a lot of money from this and i can also like easily influence harry he thought basically because like harry was younger and needed the help um and obviously this is a conflict of interest because like he is also one of the judges um so he gave harry 10 points for the first task even when like everyone agrees that harry should have had like some marks off because he got um the, he got he hurt. got his like shoulder the, right yeah like the dragon Trail. got him yeah the tail of the dragon or something like that. yeah um and then before the second task he offers harry help again in hogsmeade and then before the third task he tries to offer him help after he like shows the maze to the to the champions but this is when like crumb pulls harry aside to talk about hermione um so that gets like interrupted but we know he was intending to offer help and then afterwards the goblins that he was trying to repay his debts to with harry winning did not accept that harry won because it was technically a tie so they like saw that as a loophole um and he was like shit and then he goes on the run (laughs) Um, just pieces yeah he's like which like to me is hilarious because he's like a high-ranking government official yes and he just like dips yeah (laughs) so i mean he's organized two events in one year like he probably deserves a vacation anyway like they don't have anything else coming up soon you know like 
Yeah, I wonder what his original like debts to the goblins were from. Yeah, that's a good question. Probably like maybe from earlier in the the World Cup tournament. Or, yeah, like, it definitely like, could be that. Or just, normal like, Quidditch, Quidditch season. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Which like is also a conflict of interest because he's the head of Magic Williams and sports. Yeah. I wonder if he bet while he was a uh, like player. Yeah, honestly, probably. I would, I, I would think so. Yeah, that's probably like why he got so shady with Betty, and is like, I know that I can fix it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But he was never very good at fixing it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so for his Hogwarts house speculation, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have anything really profound to say. (laughs) I think that you can pretty quickly and easily eliminate two houses, like, without even talking about it. (laughs) Like, I think that he literally calls himself an idiot in the courtroom scene, and everybody's like, I think Mad-Eye says, a truer sentiment has never been spoken, or something like that. Like, I don't think he's a Ravenclaw. And then I don't think that he's a Hufflepuff because he, like, breaks rules and, like, morals with, like, the betting that he does and, like, the fixing he tries to do. And that's not just. Yeah. Very just of him. So, like I said, I think you can pretty quickly and easily, without much discussion, eliminate Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. For the sake of this being a little bit more interesting than if I just talk about one, I'm going to argue why he would be in Gryffindor. (laughs) So he obviously had to be like a little bit brave, but like stupid brave, which I feel like is pretty Gryffindor, honestly, to like cheat people out of their money the way that he does. Like the way he like boldly, again, another Gryffindor word, gives people like leprechaun gold knowing it will disappear. Mm to like just try him try to buy himself more time i think is like pretty bold and brave of him <laughs> um i also like how audrey talked a lot about this in her um like uh myers-briggs personality um typing he's like a big fan of the attention and the glory um which i think is like pretty gryffindor as well mm-hmm. um but I have better arguments for Slytherin, so we're just going to jump to that one. And so I'd say, like, he's pretty ambitious. Um, you know, like, being able to become a professional athlete, I think, does take, like, some ambition. And then, obviously, like, even while playing Quidditch, he had sights set on transitioning into the Ministry of Magic, as we see. So, like, that's another, like, that's also ambition. Um, he also had some ambition um, in his gambling schemes, you know, like lofty goals. Mm-hmm. He put in lots of hard work into scamming people. <laughs> um, it also shows like how cunning he is. Granted, like it didn't really work out a lot of the time. Like he found creative solutions to his problems. Just keep on betting to try and get the money back. Um, pay people leprechaun gold, um, that kind of thing. He also, like, he just, like, tried to trick so many different people. Um, And I think, really, what sells it to me is that, like, he was associated with, like, people who were confirmed Death Eaters. So, like, Rockwood through his father. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I could see him kind of being, like, a Slytherin family. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, like, I think that, like, I mean, people didn't really believe that he was a Death Eater, but, like, people believe, like, people believed it, like, semi enough that he was, like, stupid enough to at least, like, be associated with these people and pass information to these people. So I can see him, like, knowing a couple of them from, like, school days as well. Yeah. Um, and also when, like, Bertha Jorkins went missing, he did nothing. Obviously, he's not, like, the only one who did nothing, but it, like, shows that he's, like, kind of, like, self-interested. Like, he really didn't care that she was missing. It, like, didn't bother him. It didn't affect him that much. So he didn't really care about it. Yeah. Um, so, like, self-interested, I think, is something else that is, like, pretty Slytherin-esque. Um, so, yeah, I think that he'd be a Slytherin. Also, like, a lot of the people we, like, we compared him to Slughorn quite a bit, who is a Slytherin. Um, I, yeah, I just, like, I don't see an argument good enough for either of the other three houses. Yeah. There's, like, not Like, really. I could believe Gryffindor, but I just feel like there's so much more... Like, I feel like we just know so much more yeah. that would put him in Slytherin. Yeah, I could believe Gryffindor as well, because it's kind of, like, the brashness and, like... Yeah. I don't know. We sometimes talk about Gryffindors being kind of stupid, you know? Obviously yeah. not all Gryffindors, <laughs> but, like... Like, I can see that and, like, the showboaty, like... Yeah. You know, jock yeah. guy, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Slytherin, like definitely makes the most sense um i also like you know we love it when we put like non-death eater characters yeah. <laughs> in slytherin so like that's even also though he was suspected of being a death eater <laughs> hey, hey all the charges were dropped <laughs> it's true um yeah i agree with you i don't really know what like where else you would put him yeah like i could definitely buy gryffindor and like maybe kind of in his like younger years being sorted at 11 maybe like his excitement and like his boldness and like that kind of thing overruled his like ambition and cunning and Mm self-interest that he maybe develops later in life so like i said i could definitely believe him being in gryffindor um, but just like from what we and I know we probably catch him at like a pretty bad time in his life as well <laughs> um like I I just feel like there's more for Slytherin yeah I agree um I don't have a where are they now section because we literally have no idea <laughs> we hear that he went on the run and we never hear about him again so, like, either he did a really good job of being on the run, or, like, he died, or, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think I saw something that, like, he was, um, like, people, there were, like, rumblings that he was going to come back, like, for the 2014 World Cup, but he didn't. Oh, yeah, like, I actually think there's, like, a article about, like, his betting lines, mm-hmm. um, like, stuff about his betting. Hold on, let me try and pull that up. It's a old Pottermore article. Like one of those Rita Skeeter ones? Well, it's called... Let me find it. Place Your Bets with Ludo Bagman. So, okay, maybe he has not gone for good. (laughs) Um, Was the title of a Daily Prophet article written by Ludovic Bagman published on the 2nd of July, 2014. Wait, he wrote it? yeah yeah so like he writes this and like gave his odds basically and you could bet with him i guess 
The shock elimination of both favorites, Norway and Nigeria, has given the bookies plenty to smile about. Now Ludo Bagman, former England beater, enthusiastic gambler, raced the chances <laughs> of semifinalists, still in with a chance of lifting the coveted trophy. Let's see. Oh, he gave USA a 12 to 1 chance. He gave Bulgaria a 50 to 1 chance. Ireland is not even on here. Uh-uh. All right. So I guess, like, if we are to believe this Podmore article, he makes an appearance in 2014 at minimum. Okay. Writing, uh, writing in his betting odds and advertising that you can bet with him for the 2014 Quidditch World Cup. Good for him. Still on that grind. <laughs> Still on that betting grind. <laughs> um, so for the pop quiz today, we are going to be answering the question, how, what score out of 10 would you give Harry for his performance? Harry and Cedric, I guess, for their performances in the second task. Yeah, so nobody responded yet because we kind of just came up with this question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Okay, so we know that, so we were talking about this before, but I'll just fill the listeners in. We know that Cedric got a 47 overall from five judges, so out of 10. Um, And then Harry got a 45 overall, and it's kind of implied that, like, four judges gave him a 10, and then Karkaroff gave him a 5. Yeah, I think, like, Bagman says something along the lines of, like, all of the judges, or nearly all of the judges, and, like, stares at Karkaroff, like, believed that he deserved full marks or something like that so i don't think harry deserves full marks because like i don't he didn't understand the assignment um <laughs> he also like i guess maybe this is just coming from like my insider information that like i know he didn't come up with the solution on him like himself mm. which fine but the judges don't know that so i'm gonna take that away um but like he didn't like he didn't complete the task the way it was meant to be completed. And, like, I think he was pretty dumb. <laughs> like, I get that, like, he used a successful thing to stay underwater that long. So I think he should get a good amount of points for that. Even though, like, we know that wasn't him. Yeah. Um, and I guess he should get, like, a little bit of extra points for, like, his morality. Because they try to, like, talk about, the, the you know, this being, like, the spirit of, like, international competition and friendship. Um, but he wasn't even doing it really on behalf of international competition and friendship. It's just that, like, three of the people down there he really liked. And then he wasn't going to, like, <laughs> leave a child. So yeah. I would give Harry probably, like, a seven, maybe, if I'm feeling generous. Because, like, he didn't understand the assignment. I'm sorry. He did not. Yeah. And then Cedric, I think I think Cedric should get the highest score because he finished first even though it was outside the time and he performed a successful bubblehead charm. I guess maybe you dock points cuz like that wasn't super creative cuz like Fleur did that too but also hers was unsuccessful and yeah. and Crumb's thing was also partially unsuccessful. So like Cedric had Cedric and Harry had the most successful, like, magical things. Yeah. But Cedric's was maybe more difficult. So, I would maybe give... I give Harry a 7. I would give Cedric, like, an 8. Or an 8.5. Yeah. 
Because he was only one minute after. Maybe I would give him a nine. Yeah. Yeah. Because his only dock is that he's one minute late. Yeah. So I give him a nine. Basically. Yeah, I definitely would give Cedric a nine because, like we said, he still finished without outside of the time limit, but he was the first one back. So, like, I think he should get a good jump in points because of that alone. Um, so yeah, I think I would definitely give Cedric a nine and for Harry, I, yeah, I'm definitely deciding between like an eight or a 10 cause like an eight or a 10 it, or sorry, an eight or a seven, <laughs> my bad. Um, <laughs> uh, because like his decision definitely showed moral fiber as they say in the books. Um, and he definitely like came up with a good solution. Um, again, like discounting the fact that we know as readers that it was not him, um, he was able to like stay underwater for an ex- more extended period of time. So like, is that a knock or is that like a positive? You know that it took yeah. him longer, but like his magic lasted that extra whatever, however many minutes. So yeah, I definitely would be between an eight and a seven. Like definitely below Cedric, but probably the second most. Yeah. Yeah. I think him. I think him and Crumb, which I think they do end up being like pretty comparable i think like their scores for this task should be pretty pretty even because it like crumb finished faster but crumb his solution i think was like i mean again we since we, again like since we know harry didn't actually come up with the gillyweed like his solution is so much more impressive than like yeah, harry but not even having a solution fully successfully do it right like yeah but was that the point like was he trying I to fully to transform into i think they tribe? say something about like it wasn't a complete transfiguration or something like that. yeah because like to be fair he really only needs the gills like yeah, yeah the rest of the shark might be nice because he could move faster yeah. but like minimum he needs the gills which is what he had yeah I don't know. Because, like, I think it's also said that, like, Crumb doesn't really finish that much after Cedric. No, I think he's, like, a couple minutes after. Yeah. yeah. So, again, I think Crumb and Harry should be pretty comparable for this task. Yeah. And Cedric should be a 9. Yeah, like, nine eight seven or, like, nine seven seven like that. Yeah. yeah. And then Fleur, I don't think she... Which, I mean, to be fair, Fleur herself says that she doesn't deserve any points, so... I think they give her some, though, right? They definitely do, Because she, yeah. like figured out that she had to be in the water <laughs> like yeah and she like successfully like if you consider at least started a bubble well because i think her i think her bubblehead charm was like ne- her bubblehead charm never failed oh she got like attacked from what i understand she, right? she yeah. got attacked and yeah. like and like she was not able to get past the zigrindilos yeah and if you like consider like figuring out the egg and stuff as part yeah. of the task like Which she did more of it than like it appears on the day of yeah, like, I would probably give her a three or a four. Yeah. Okay. That's how it should have gone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess, like, if every judge gave Cedric a nine, a 45. he would have gotten... Oh, so he definitely, he would have gotten less. Yeah. And then if every judge would have given Harry... Let's say two judges give him an eight and three give him a seven. What's that? 30 30 37 okay so that's a full like yeah so we're a little harsher yeah and then i don't even know let's see what i'm really curious now as to what crumb got one moment 
Miss Fleur Delacour, though she demonstrated excellent use of the Wolf of Charm, was attacked by Grindelwald as she approached her goal and failed to retrieve her hostage. We award her 24 points. So she got an average of 4.8. Okay. So like Maybe fours like and fives. a little high. Yeah. yeah. Mystery Cedric Diggory, Victor Crumb used an incomplete form of transfiguration, which was nevertheless effective, and was second to return with his hostage. We, we award him 40 points. So he got an average of eight, and Harry got an average of nine. Okay, so I would maybe switch, just like switch Crumb and yeah. Harry's score, and I would have been fine with it. Yeah. Cedric's average is 9.4. So, like, okay. some people gave him full marks then. Yeah. Which I think So it's like two sense. people, I guess like two people gave him full marks and then three yeah. people gave him nine. It's like. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, they definitely do call it an incomplete form of transfiguration. But again, I ask, did he mean to do a complete form of transfiguration? Yeah, that's a good point. All right, um, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, and you can also review us pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts as well. Um, so please do that. You can find us on social media. Um, not that it matters to you listening now, because this poll will be down, but I posted a really funny poll on our Instagram. <laughs> What's the current result? I replied. The current result is four votes for Robert Pattinson, and then we just got our first vote for Crumb. Really? So if you're wondering what I'm talking about, try to find, if if you yourself have the illustrated version, or try to find the illustrated version of Gobble to fire in there they have a poster of crumb and in it crumb looks exactly like robert pattinson <laughs> like i swear to god jim k used robert pattinson as like a model for this version of crumb it's a little freaky um, <laughs> like uh, it's i think like he really funny didn't know who robert pattinson played in the movie <laughs> he's just like he's like oh i heard he plays one of these guys <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but like it looks so much like robert Pattinson. <laughs> um so you can follow our instagram wizard Slays podcast um you can join our facebook group wizard Slays podcast group you can email us at wizardsidespodcast at gmail.com with those great bomb episode ideas i know all of you are going to have <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all run.